This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Later in this hour, Stephen Kent from the University of Alberta will talk more about the Freemen of the Land movement back in the news. An interesting uh, case in Edmonton. We'll tell you more about that. Uh, but certainly it's relevant to this next conversation because uh, the Freemen of the Land do their part, for sure, to clog up the court system. Uh, but there are a lot of other reasons why we see delays in the court system. Now, the McDonald laurier Institute, attempting to, to quantify all of this, so they've released the first of what will be uh, presumably an ongoing series of grading the justice system. Does the court system work? Are we getting value for our dollar? Is justice being served? Are we putting bad guys away, but are we also ensuring uh, that people have access to the system and that the system is fair? We do expect a lot of the justice system. Uh, Joining us to talk more about this work, the co-author of the report uh, joins us on the line. Uh, Benjamin Perrin is the Monk Senior Fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute. You can find them on the web, by the way, mcdonaldlaurier.ca. Professor Perrin, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. All right. Well, first, I mean, how do you go about measuring the justice system? I guess we need to establish what it is we expect it, expect it to do and come up with some criteria. So let's start with that. Exactly. That was our first step. We've been working on this report for about two years and had the benefit of some really great uh, justice system experts and helped us uh, with that. What we did is boil it down to five key objectives. Uh, prote- protecting public safety, that's our, our safety, our lives, and our property. Secondly, supporting victims. Uh, third, uh, being cost-effective and resource-effective. Fourth is fairness and access to justice. And fifth is efficiency in terms of the timeframes for, for achieving justice. And once we had those um, nailed down, we then looked at an extensive uh, data set from Statistics Canada to identify metrics for each of these, multiple metrics, and then did some statistical analysis to come out with an actual grade and ranking for how well each province and territory's justice system is performing. Okay, and we do see some significant differences across the country then. Why, why would that be? Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, there's so many reasons why you could have these variations. But overall, what we found was that um, Canada's justice system is costly. It is topping uh, almost $11 billion a year, and the delays are becoming um, critical. And what has happened because of that is the Supreme Court of Canada has started throwing out charges. It threw out drug trafficking and child sex offense charges this summer because of unreasonable delays in uh, Ontario and and British Columbia. Um, Alberta uh, was pretty much middle of the pack. Um, it scored a, a C plus, which is not a great grade, and a ranking a sixth uh, out of the uh, provinces. And the reasons for that are that Alberta has a higher than average violent crime rate. And it also has a very, uh, Albertans apparently have a very poor perception of, uh, of the police. Uh, so Statistics Canada asks them what they think about the police, and they had very, very poor views, views of their enforcement of the law being approachable and fair and responding promptly. Uh, We also saw things like um, access to justice being a concern, so relatively low levels of uh, legal aid funding uh, per crime in Alberta. And Alberta also has the um, unfortunate distinction of having the highest um, number, uh, most disproportionate number of Aboriginal offenders of any jurisdiction in Canada who are incarcerated. Well, it's interesting because, we, as you say, this has been an issue here, and we've seen some, some uh, cases be thrown out because of, of the delay in getting to trial. But as costly as the system is now, it seems that fixing that problem, hiring more judges, et cetera, it's going to cost even more. Well, we don't necessarily think that is the, the solution. Um, so I'll give you an example. Right now we have um, a whole range of what the Supreme Court of Canada now recognizes are un- unnecessary 
um, court appearances and procedural motions. And so we need to streamline our criminal justice system. We also need to get it out of the horse and buggy era. Most courtrooms still work on paper. Some are doing pilot projects to have um, and, and have implemented full-scale electronic disclosure so lawyers don't have to keep going to court asking for disclosure. Having digital appearances so that people can actually move the cases forward more quickly. So there's a lot of um, efficiencies that could be gained that way. The other issue is when do you actually lay a charge and when do we not? And, and should we be plugging up the system with with relatively minor um, uh, charges? And you know, instead, should we not focus on the important stuff? So, you know, Alberta has a bit of an issue with this. The um, percentage of charges state or withdrawn is quite high at 35%. And because you've got so many cases in the system, the criminal case length in Alberta is also higher than average nationally at 183 days. So there's quite a few issues with the efficiency uh, and fairness of the justice system in Alberta, as well as the public safety angle that you've got a higher rate of uh, violent crime um, and, uh, and, you know, property crime as well. Well, is there a potential conflict, though, between a, a, a move to try to speed up the system and the, the fairness that we expect the system to deliver? Does, does streamlining mean we're going to be taking shortcuts? I think that um, that logic is very common in the justice system, and it's the reason why we haven't seen reform. Um, what we've got now, though, is the Supreme Court of Canada this summer saying that there is an unnecessary amount of procedural motions. There are unnecessary um, uh, adjournments and motions that are happening right now. And so it has opened the door for justice system reform. And um, I think that both the federal government in doing a justice system review, because it sets the laws and procedures, needs to really take heed of that and actually start to make some changes to our justice system. You know, it should really be there for the most serious crimes. Things that are less serious, minor thefts, really should not be plugging up the system. They should be dealt with very quickly and efficiently um, through, you know, community service, uh, apologies, paying restitution. They should never make their way into the actual criminal justice system. You know, when I was a law student in Toronto, I had a client who was arrested for stealing a pack of underwear to, at, a, at a grocery store. Um, and, you know, she had to have like eight, eight court appearances before the Crown finally said, oh, okay, well, we're obviously not going to take her to trial. We'll just let her do a few hours of community service. Now, think how many hours of court time um, the lawyer's time, my time, and her time that took to reach an outcome that a police officer should arguably be able to administer on the spot at that at that grocery store. So there's a lot of things that can be done to make the system more efficient and while keeping it fair. Well, and something even as simple, and I understand there is discrepancy between provinces and how charges get laid in the first place. In some provinces, it's right. the police who lay charges. In other provinces, it's the Crown. Does, does that make a difference one way or the other? Yeah, it does. And certainly the best example I can give you from the report is when you compare it Ontario and Quebec, um, uh, Quebec has requires the Crown to approve charges before they're laid, whereas in Ontario the police um, lay them directly, and then they're later looked at by the Crown. In Quebec, you have a very low number of charges stated withdrawn. Only 8.6% of charges don't go ahead, whereas in Ontario it's 43%. So you've got a huge amount of, obviously, time, energy, and and uh, stress on all parts from the victim as well as the accused, seeing these cases just fall apart often at the last minute. Like literally, it's frequently the day of the trial or before the trial when a senior crown finally looks at the file and goes, I'm not going to prosecute this case. The evidence is weak or it's not important enough. Then you've got victims wondering what's happened and feeling quite disillusioned and everyone all queued up to do a trial that never occurs. So these are the kind of problems that our system has endemic to it. And we hope this report will be a real wake-up call. When you talk about the crime rates in various provinces, and you mentioned Alberta for an example, but it's an issue elsewhere, which affects which here? Is it is it that the crime rates are affecting what's happening in the justice system, or is it that what's happening in the justice system is affecting crime rates? 
Well, there's, that's a great question. And one of the things that we were shocked to find Statistics Canada does not collect data on at the provincial and territory level is the most important measure you'd imagine. You know, it's recidivism. Are people who go through the, the entire system who offended, um, are they rehabilitating or are they in fact becoming habitual offenders? There's no data on that. So that's a great question that we've put for Statistics Canada to start collecting data on to improve the ability to really measure how well the justice system is doing. When we're talking about crime rates here, we're talking about police reported crime rates. And we know they vastly underrepresent um, the real picture. So Statistics Canada also does these victimization studies where they talk to people and find out rates of uh, victimization. And what they find is that they're actually um, going down in terms of reporting rates. So, you know, in the most recent study, they found that only one in 20 sexual assault cases get reported to police. One in 20. That's an appalling low rate and it, it shows that the system is failing victims who have lost confidence in it because it's not meeting their needs because it's slow it's inefficient and they have concern about um, how they'll be treated by it and i think recent cases and in judicial inquiries in alberta are speaking to that concern as well well do you, do you think though if we were to do this 20 or 30 years ago this kind of a report card that we'd see much difference i think we would for sure 30 years ago um we would be you know looking at the very you know early impacts of the charter and it has absolutely created a cottage industry as you'd expect it would for strategic motions to be brought and those further cause delays um, the disclosure obligations that we have now are really important but i think it's fair to say that they are strategically used by defense counsel to uh, drag things out to hopefully get some delays that they can bring motions on and um, the crown essentially you know loses interest and withdraws the, not all motions for disclosure i think it's fair to say are are really genuinely looking for exonerating evidence or to know the crown's case they really are looking strategically to um to delay uh, cases i think any defense lawyer you got privately would admit that that's a a very common approach we also had higher crime rates then didn't we uh we did exactly and this is the real paradox here um you know bc did a, a study on our justice efficiency a few years ago and we still ranked quite poorly below Alberta, actually, in this uh, report card. But what we found was while crime rates are going down, the delays and the cost of the system is going up. So that's, I mean, that's remarkable. Imagine if that happened in any other um, area, right? This is a real problem. And it's why we don't think more resources is the answer to the problems in our justice system. We think greater transparency and accountability is the um, is the prescription that our justice system needs. And this has worked well for the healthcare system and education systems. I mean, when report cards on them first came out, they were heavily resisted and their methodologies were attacked and criticized. And we are fully expecting to, to hear an earful from people who, you know, provinces that didn't do too well on this. But we're open to, you know, improving this report and getting better data. That's really key, actually. But the key is, are you willing to even be judged? You know, is the justice system willing to put itself under the microscope? And it needs to if it's going to have anything uh, positive happen. You know, we are still operating on this 19th century system. We don't have any kind of triage in our justice system. Uh, It's like if you walked in with a stubbed toe in the emergency room and someone else has been stabbed or shot, and uh, our justice system says, well, the stubbed toe is here first, so we'll deal with them first. I mean, this is really why we have such a problem now. Well, and is this then Ottawa's problem to fix, or is it the the province's responsibility? Our justice system has so many um, people who are responsible for it. That's part of the issue here. So the federal government has a huge role. They set our criminal law and procedures. So they need to clean up the criminal code, streamline the procedures, and um, get non-serious cases out of the justice criminal justice system. The provinces, though, are, are exclusively charged with running it. So the courts, the police, 
the Crown prosecutors. That's all provincial. And so they have a huge role to play. The, the court system and judges themselves have to get into a very serious discussion with Crown and Defence Council and police and work together on this. And that is not something that they're used to doing, and they will be very, very nervous about that. But other jurisdictions have done it. It can work, and it needs to happen. Those conversations need to happen because ultimately all of these people are responsible for the system. And the problem is when so many people are responsible, no one's accountable. And that's that's our major concern. So, you know, we need to see some leadership here exercised as a starting point by the federal and provincial governments and these key players as well. I guess then in part, the, the hope is that by quantifying this, it, it gives more impetus. Exactly. And it also gives you a place to start. So, you know, if you know in your jurisdiction uh, that your main uh, problems are that you have a really long delays in your in your system, let's focus on some efficiency work in that jurisdiction. If in another jurisdiction, you have a really low, um, you know, legal aid per crime and you've got very high um, Aboriginal proportions uh, of individuals being uh, incarcerated, you've got some fairness uh, issues with your system that you need to focus on. And so hopefully this gives a chance for different provinces and territories to to not just throw up their hands and say, well, it's all hopeless, but actually hey, we give them a starting point, an evidence-based starting point for how to improve their systems. All right. Well, people can read more. Uh, the report is posted at mcdonaldlaurier.ca. Ben Perrin, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Appreciate this. Thank you, Rob. All right, there you go. That's Benjamin Perrin. He's a senior fellow, Monk senior fellow, that is, at the Macdonald Laurier Institute, also at the University of British Columbia. You might recall him as well. Uh, worked for a time in the prime minister's office, too. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Some more thoughts on this. A couple other things we'll touch on before the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about the Freeman on the land coming up after 1.30. You're listening to Afternoons on News Talk 770. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.